Hello and welcome to Third Times a Charm, the show that takes an in-depth look at the third installment of a franchise. This is episode 44, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3, Turtles in Time. I'm your host, Michael Angelo, and party on, dudes, because today we're going to work up an appetite for some pizza by kicking a lot of ninja butt as we travel through time with the lean green fighting machines. Joining me today is none other than Joe Two from the Too Fast Too Forever podcast. Joe was on once before for an epic three-show crossover event when Too Fast Too Forever, High School Slumber Party, and my show Third Time's a Charm all covered Tokyo Drift. Well, now Joe is back to talk about Japan a little more, only this time there's not a car in sight, but rather lots of horses being rode by giant turtles. You know the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, right? Michelangelo, Donatello, Leonardo, and Raphael. They're four mutated turtles raised by a mutated rat named Splinter and groomed for revenge to take out the Shredder, who murdered Splinter's former master. This is all backstory that has absolute zero to do with this particular movie, but I thought I'd drop the origin real quick. But are you aware of these turtle factoids? That Eastman and Laird are immense fans of the work of the legendary comic artist and storyteller Jack Kirby, as well as the then-young Frank Miller, who had had a legendary run on Daredevil before making The Dark Knight Returns and changing Batman forever, for better or worse. Did you also know that Eastman and Laird paid tribute to Frank Miller by naming the ninja clan in their story The Foot after The Hand, which was the clan from Daredevil? Or that Splinter is a reference to Stick, the man who trained Daredevil. Or that the mutagen that transformed the turtles was actually the same toxic chemical that turned poor young Matt Murdock blind as a little boy. And if you look closely at the first issue of TMNT, it takes place congruently with the origin of Daredevil. And if you take a look at the art style and the stories from the original Mirage Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles series, the Jack Kirby influence is everywhere. Even the anthropomorphic animals fighting is sort of a nod to Destroyer Duck, a Kirby contribution as well, co-created by Steve Gerber, co-creator of Howard the Duck. Anyway, all in all, the turtles are steeped in comic book history and lore, and it's just one of the many attributes that maintain the property's longevity. Also, did you know in the UK they're called the Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles? Because you can't promote ninja violence to kids there, and Michelangelo's nunchucks were changed into another weapon. I think it was a flying guillotine. I'm unclear on the whole thing, but look it up yourself. Also, kind of ironically, the turtles are not as big in Japan as you would think. Enough of all this. It's time to order up a pizza... Shine up your weapons, put a lampshade on your head, because we're all a bunch of time-traveling turtles. Hey, yo, let me break it down to the nitty-gritty. Teenage mutant ninja turtles in the city. They kick it, they rip it straight from the underground. Clown around in town and make you jump around. Bust the move that makes you want to groover. Hit you so hard like a Heimlich maneuver. Rig it a wreck a feud, dog it up food. Make you want to say cowabunga, dude. Just like a superhero All good fellows like my man De Niro Never whack on attack Turtles be all that Living fat course and kick it like that Here we are tonight in the sewer den. Please welcome from the Too Fast Too Forever podcast, Joe Two. Welcome. What's up, brother? Thanks for having me. How are you doing? I'm good. You remember the last time you were here? What was it? Tokyo Drift with Joey? Yes, the epic three-part crossover with Too Fast, High School, Slumber Party, and the show. That's what I was trying to think. I was like racking my brain like, what? I was like, definitely that. I was wondering if there's anything else in between, but no, that that's, sounds about right. Yeah. I've been trying to get you and Joey on, you and Joe one, for the Triple uh, yeah. X Triple X Part 3, but, you know, we'll see what, what happens in the near future with something like that, but I'm glad that you're here tonight to talk some turtles. 
Yes, I am too, dude. I love these movies. Before we touch upon the movies, I just want to get a little bit into your backstory about, you know, the Turtles themselves, like your history with them. How far back does that go? Are you a fan? How big a fan? Indulge me in your history of the Turtles. I was thinking about this as I was watching this, and like one of the first things I remember about the Turtles is I definitely had the game on Game Boy. And I know I was playing the Game Boy game, which I think was very similar to the arcade game that was out. That beat 'em up style. Yeah. Yeah, beat him up and it was like side scroller the screen kind of moved for you and you could go just like up and down type situation like on the streets so I, like I remember that and like I played that a ton I definitely watched these movies the live action ones a bunch as a kid and I think I watched a ton of the cartoon too but like when I was trying to like remember anything specific about the cartoon I couldn't remember an episode or a storyline if you asked me to <laughs> so no comics involved in any any of this, you know, the origin of the turtles comes from actually the independent comic scene, Eastman and Laird. Were you into those? They had a, a great run in the Archie line, but also the original Mirage Studio. Did you come into contact with them at all? No, I didn't. I never even knew it was a comics thing. My uncles were really, really big into comics when they were kids, but it didn't seem like my dad was super big as a comic book guy, and so like I never had Ninja Turtles as comic book. I, di I didn't have really any comic books. Like I remember my uncles had a bunch, but like I didn't have any that were like left over from my dad or something like that so like I didn't have any comics and I definitely didn't have any Ninja Turtles comics but yeah like learning about them as I got older then I obviously knew about the comics but it wasn't something that was like exposed to me as a kid. I don't remember exactly. I think it was like a friend of a friend when I first found out about the actual Ninja Turtles because growing up as a kid, I was just exposed to stuff like Spider-Man and Marvel. I knew Superman and Batman and those guys from the cartoons first. Makes sense, yeah. Then it was sort of like reverse engineering. Oh, there's comics where these came from and everything. The comic origin of the Ninja Turtles, it's pretty brutal. Like, it is not Marvel and DC. It's sort of, you know, in the more tradition of independent comics. Uh, and this is even before, like, Image Comics when... McFarlane was considered independent at the time. I have a run of those I collected when I was a kid. I didn't really understand them. They're actually very sort of adult. And then there was the Archie line, which is what I read, which is based on the cartoons, which I just consumed like you couldn't believe. <laughs> I had the toys, I had the breakfast cereal, you know, I had the t-shirts. You know, if I threw out a couple names like Bebop, Rocksteady, and Krang, like those are pretty much the cornerstone of the cartoon, I feel, which you kind of would like need to know if you're not in the know about like more than just the core group of the four turtles and Master Splinter fighting Shredder. The video games, definitely, right? Like those were all pretty great. I feel like the arcade ones were really awesome. I remember going to the arcade as a little kid and seeing those. The exposure to this brand was just like everywhere. Like it, yeah, it's kind of on this perpetual cycle of cartoons, movies, and toys. Like ever since it debuted, like up until the modern day, where they just had like a recent the Nickelodeon tunes that just ended. So you know they're probably gonna do yet another version. But let's get into some stuff about these movies. Yeah, the first Ninja Turtles movie was the first movie that I was like dropped off at the movie theater with friends to go see oh. so like it left a mark i was a big fan that movie's pretty awesome it's pretty classic like it was a little too young for like movie theater but i had these on vhs and i remember like my friends and i definitely all had one and two and one is just like endlessly quotable and we would just carry that out like even into like when we were teenagers and adults nobody pays full price for late pizza like these kind of jokes like we would just run with forever yeah it's really interesting how you have the four ninja turtles and at the time it feels like there was always there were all these gangs of four like the four ghostbusters Oh, you're right, yeah. And and they each sort of represent, like, a very different, very strong personality. And I wonder if that's why there's such mass appeal, because there's almost, like, um, one for everybody, or one that you could, like, sort of at least kind of identify with if you had to try. And I always thought that was, like, pretty clever now as an adult from, like, a creative standpoint. Like, I don't know if that's what they were going for initially, but it's kind of cool how that's where it wound up. I think this is really cool, and we were having a very similar conversation about the four-character 
sitcom layout. When we were talking to Nico and Kevin on Too Fast, having four characters is very nice. And because we've seen it in sitcoms and we see it in comic books or, you know, just like a group of four is great because you just extend their personalities to be very bold of like these four types. And then there's one for everybody. And it's like kind of the formula that like a lot of these things used. And because it's a formula that a lot of these things used to steal from Nico, it's very familiar to us. So we see it in sitcoms. We see it in Ninja Turtles and stuff like that. And you're like, oh yeah, I'm the silly one. You know, or like I'm the smart one and, you know, you can kind of play with this. So I think that's really cool. It's obvious now, but the Fantastic Four and even what all they end up sort of representing. I mean, they're a, they were an actual family. That's what sort of the Turtles and the Ghostbusters and, and all these gangs, like they're all sort of friends that come together and represent like this idea of a family or a group. And I feel like yeah. the reason I feel like that is, is because of the different dynamics and the way that they kind of bounce off each other. Yep. Like if these are actual honest characters and they're true to themselves, like that kind of interaction will never stop. Like you could, it's just writable sort of forever. So do you have a favorite Ninja Turtle movie? We'll stick with the original trilogy and we'll get into the rest at the end, but... Yes. This is funny. So when we were re-watching this to talk about it with you, I was watching with Rachel. I was thinking back to me having the VHSs of these. I had this VHS for the third one and I'm like watching it and I'm like, I honestly don't remember what happened in this one, like, at all. Like, I don't remember any of the storyline. Like, I knew that they were in, like, feudal Japan. I knew that there was some time travel involved. I didn't remember the scepter, anything like that. And so I was thinking, like, I definitely didn't watch this one as much as I watched the other two as a kid. And I don't know why. I watched the first one a lot, and my friends really liked the first one. We definitely saw that a bunch of times. And it was on TV and stuff, of course, right? But for me, two, The Secret of the Ooze is like, that was my favorite one. And that's one that I've watched so many times over. And that's the first one that I introduced to Rachel, because I was like, this one is just great. And she's like, well, I haven't seen the first one. I'm like, you don't really need to see the first one, right? Like, even her, who has less exposure to the Ninja Turtles than I did, I'm like, you, you know who the Ninja Turtles are? Cool. Like, and we established that anyways in these movies, every movie anyways. So I think two is like, that's pretty much perfect for me. And that one I remember everything about. I must have seen it hundreds of times. Like, it was like one of those things as a kid where, you know, you just like stop the tape, rewind, put the tape back in. You're just like, okay, cool. Just on loop. That's my favorite. How about you? I'm actually quite partial to the first one as an adult now watching them over again because I'm just surprised about how sort of grounded that original one is. Like, it feels like a Christopher Nolan Batman movie half the time. Yeah. (laughs) There's Ninja Turtles. The costumes are just phenomenal. The lighting is great. The martial arts are just exceptional. But as a kid, I definitely thought Secret of the Ooze was the best because it was most like the cartoon and the comics like it kind of got weird and crazy and just sort of like you could see it starting to branch and sort of try stuff and be wackier yeah i think that really was very appealing at the time as a little kid being like oh you could see them a lot better they're out of the shadows you know this is this is a confession i think i made this though on brian's show for the uh Project Almanac episode I was just on. This is the first time I'm watching this all the way through. Okay. This is the first time I've seen this movie in its entirety. I tried to introduce my nephew to the Ninja Turtles and sit him down and sort of watch these movies with him. He's just more into sports. Even back then when he was a little kid, he didn't really like gravitate toward these. So by the time we got to part three, he kind of like, you know, petered out a little bit. He, he's like sort of done with it all. So why didn't you watch this one? What was what was it like? What caused your lack of exposure to this one? I think basically it's around the time it came out. I was in high school. I wasn't even really reading comics at the time so much anymore. I had other interests. I was getting more serious into music and stuff in that direction. School was a lot harder. Did this have a full theater release too, by the way? It had a full theater release, but it wasn't subtitled Turtles in Time when it was out initially. That's something that was added to the home marketing. Okay. I was, yeah, I was asking Rachel, she was like, what's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3 called? And I was like, you know, because obviously 2, Secret of the Ooze, like we know this is tattooed in my brain. But 3, I was like, I don't remember if 3 has a title. And when she was looking it up, she was like, no, it's just called 3. But you're now that you say Turtles in Time, that makes sense. And I think, yeah, I had it on the VHS for sure. I was wondering if this somehow became like a straight to VHS kind of release, because it almost feels like it. Like they like made a third one and they were like, yeah, we'll just put this out. I think it definitely gained more awareness on home video. That was more of the market in the mid-90s, and it kind of 
feels it has more of that feel to it also like not to call it cheap but there's just less money to to work with here so that wouldn't be sort of unusual yeah that's yeah that's what i was thinking too yeah and it would have helped the marketing i think to call it turtles in time because at the time the dope ass fucking video game was in the arcades turtles in time and Mm. even though this isn't the straight adaption i wish it was there could have been like some synergy some crossover or something to the effect where it's like you know let's just do let's piggyback on that somehow uh it's got the same concept even if it's not the same execution yeah makes sense but let's get into the actual flick itself, then we can like hit some moments and stuff. Let me start off with a brief summary here, which is kind of funny because I was watching it, I was like, wow, like this there's a lot of exposition. Like this is really front loaded with a lot of stuff going on here, but Oh yeah, they have to set you up for that time travel. We open with a really dope shot of the sun and these four figures chasing some dude across the beach and everything, and this is going to be a very familiar castle. We're going to see this shot several times repeated throughout the entire movie. You get their money's worth out of this matte painting. But it starts in 1603 feudal Japan. The young man is being chased. Basically what is going on is his father is the feudal lord of the area, Norinaga. Norinaga's son is in love, we will find out, with a bandit, and he is sort of going around the temple and he finds this weird scepter and he grabs hold of it and he is transported to the future where the Ninja Turtles are partying down in their turtle lair where April O'Neil has come to say goodbye. She's going on a vacation. She found this scepter. As she's holding on to it, she is transported back in time and replaced with the prince yeah they're hot swapped they are they have switched places in time as donatella will put it it is equal mass displacement yes with splinter's help they figure out that this scepter is some sort of time travel device and the four turtles grab a hold of it travel back in time to save april hopefully they will swap places with the monks that are supposed to be guarding it but it is being transported in battle by some samurai. So the Ninja Turtles are transported right into the middle of battle. They're separated. One of them is captured by the bandits where the female leader explains that she is in love with the prince and the Michelangelo has to explain that, well, dude, he's in the future. We're trying to get everyone back in their place. The other turtles figure out that the feudal lord is sort of being influenced by this guy named Walker. Texas Ranger. He is in control of like all these white guys. He's like this gunslinger. He's called like Clint Eastwood at one point. Do you think that he's he's supposed to be like the Dutch? I think that like at this time, the only people that were allowed in Japan were the Dutch because they would trade with them. So like as much as he's like an English dude, I think he's supposed to be like a Dutch guy that brought guns to Japan. Okay, yeah, interesting. Yeah, he wants to trade with the feudal lord, and in order to do that, he will get rid of the turtles, he will get rid of the bandits, he will get his son back. There's like a bunch of action, adventure, excitement. They rescue April, they meet up with Michelangelo, together with the bandits, they defeat the feudal lord in a battle, they all swap places again, and they party down with some pizza at the end. Exactly. There's a lot more going on in this movie than I was expecting. It's pretty packed and like you got to pay attention and then on top of that there's actually some pretty funny jokes and some clever moments there is and new characters that we didn't get from the first i don't think we see casey jones in the first two right definitely not the second one he shows up in the first one okay he's absent in the second one and then this woman Paige turco takes over as april o'neill in the second one and she's back for this who's the original ape i remember that this is definitely the april from two but who's the who's the april from one I believe her name is judy Hogue. So unclear why she wasn't brought back for the second one, but totally embraces her tenure as April O'Neil. Also, you know, Megan Fox played April O'Neil in the newer rebooted versions. Yeah, yeah. I was pretty surprised by this, considering it wasn't at all what I was expecting. Do you have some favorite moments you want to uh, mention right off the top? Yeah, off the rip. One of my favorite moments, you know, we were just talking about this before we started recording. I'm a big hockey fan, so there's a scene where the samurai got switched. So the turtles, before they switch, they bring in Casey Jones and they're like, you gotta watch 
the guys that come here and just make sure they don't like escape in New York because we're gonna, we're eventually going to switch back. And so they like arrive and he's helping Splinter like make sure he's watching them. And so to like occupy their time, he just like puts on hockey on the TV and just like shows them hockey and they fucking love it, right? And they're just like watching hockey the whole time because like you know that's Casey Jones. Like I think one of the most well played jokes for me was when he's like, okay, like here guys, like do what we saw on TV. Let's play hockey. And he like lines up to like try to get them to play a game and they just start fighting like that's just like such a great joke to me <laughs> yeah that's that's initially why i thought that they loved hockey in the first place is because of how aggressive it was and it just looked like they were running around on a battlefield or something exactly i love casey jones as a character when i think of casey jones i think of the hockey mask now not the hockey mask he's wearing in this movie for some reason but like he has a kind of a cooler one that he's more well known for in the cartoons and stuff yeah in the cartoons and the original movie and everything it doesn't look so much like jason Voorhees' uh, hockey mask in this one but it's great that you know he is a sports fanatic that is very much his mo and so to do something with that like it's great how he's sort of having his own little adventures and babysitting whenever we're mm-hmm. cutting back to him yeah that's how it works but splinter's always just like letting the turtles run run free too so he needed extra help for sure yeah splinter's done man he raised four turtles into teenhood he needs a rest like i don't think he gets up once from that chair this entire movie single dad it happens man it's it's kind of cool too how most of the main players or most of the main humans have like dual roles like the guy who plays casey jones will show up again in the past as sort of like an ancestor possibly this was a fun play that i really liked throughout the movie is that they kind of did this mere kind of bizarro world thing where like even though they're being replaced with a completely different human in feudal Japan that the characters kind of align they're representing the same characters that exist there anyways you know what I mean so I thought that was really cool yeah they're good stand-ins like that was a bit of um, like extra flair I was not expecting like even Michelangelo sort of like falls in love as the proxy prince not the frog prince but maybe the turtle prince you know with the bandit woman and everything Mitsu, I believe, is her name. Do you think that he falls in love? This is funny. You read it like that, and Rachel read it like that, but I was like, I thought they were just kind of, like, friendly, because I don't think the turtles ever, like, actually hit on April, right? Like, they, like, always are, like, teasing and flirting with April, but, like, nobody's ever trying to, like, take April on a date, right? Right, right. I mean, she gets the swing in this one, right? Like, nice legs. Yeah, that. she uh, does, but they, yeah. They, that's, that's the only objectification of April in the entire film. She's actually pretty pro active character throughout all this when she's captured to begin with they call her a witch she takes owner she's like i am a witch and i'm gonna curse all you and and ends up escaping and throws a couple punches and everything but yeah not so much maybe that he was in love but just the idea like you were saying like these characters for the most part are pretty much proxies for the ones that got swapped and it was a pretty clever way to do it as opposed to just like the fish out of water stuff yeah yeah, yeah. The turtles are kind of perfectly at home in feudal Japan because they have the skills, they have the knowledge. They're ninjas, so, like, yeah. Exactly. They're ninjas. They know how to handle themselves. In fact, I'd say, like, I've never seen characters in a movie more casual in my entire life in, in a life-and-death situation than the way that the turtles sort of waltz their way through this movie. <laughs> It's very charming. They do they do just skip straight through the movie. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I was very surprised. But it's it's kind of their MO and it makes it it makes it more fun. It would it makes it still soft and good for my brain today. That they're not like in grave peril ever, right? Like they're ultimate heroes. They're they're always gonna win. Now they're on vacation, right? Like the Shredder is presumably dead, like the Foot Clan yeah. is dead. This actually, I was thinking while I was watching it, I was like, it would have been interesting if you come to find out they sort of helped form the Foot Clan by accident, by going back through time to help this all sort of go down. I think that's kind of what they're trying to do. Like, it's not clear cut, right? Like, I wish they went back and it was like straight up. They had the feet on their chest. They had the, you know, the same sort of masks. They didn't necessarily like have a shredder, but you could have sort of like an ancestor of Uroko Saki. You could have played, I just felt like they could have played a little more with the lore instead of creating all this new stuff there's literally like nothing familiar yeah i think yeah you're right because i saw parallels between like the daimyo like the lord of the town and shredder okay because if you think about it like think this is just like two right you have like the white guy who's the doctor but it's instead it's this guy walker and you have the daimyo who's shredder you have like they're fighting the turtles april is the girl is mitsu yeah yeah 
Interesting. Yeah, I didn't really put that together, I guess. I was a little too distracted with trying to keep everything new straight again. Straight with the actual movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you're right. Like, the dude comes down in his, like, giant helmet and his gear, and, you know, they all got what Shredder pretty much wears. Like, they aren't telegraphing it, but it's just there in the sort of traditional imagery that the Shredder's based on to begin with. You know, he's based on these exactly. types of this type of stuff from this era. Yeah, I really enjoyed, to be quite honest, the action in this movie. The choreography's great. I really loved all the fight scenes. I mean, like, they do that great through all three movies, for me. But, like, the choreography, like, to have fight scenes where they're doing this, but also for them to be comedic, like, very... They even reference it. They, like, the Three Stooges. Like, to have it play, like, physical humor like that, like, I don't see a ton of that anymore in any kind of movies, let alone, like, action movies. Like, a very interesting fact about the original trilogy is that they're all under the Golden Harvest uh, umbrella of films. What does that mean? So like Golden Harvest is a production company from China who, and they were spawned off of the Shaw Brothers. You know, all oh. of the old sort of yeah. kung fu wushu yeah. movies and everything, right? A huge fan. Yep. Okay, so this is, it's under their like production company umbrella? Yeah, so they produced, wow. so Golden Harvest produced the first three movies and they discovered Bruce Lee, Jackie Chan, Sammo Hung, and I definitely was getting a Jackie Chan vibe out of the Ninja Turtles as it was going along and thinking about this. Yeah, that makes sense. I can see that for sure. But like he did like Rush Hour and stuff like that that are a little bit more comedic. So yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and and most of his career, he was sort of the guy who was like picking up a chair and throwing it at somebody or bouncing around mm-hmm. and actually get like getting taking hits and things and and sort of being more influenced by like Buster Keaton or the Three Stooges, bringing that sort of into it as much. Well, so like the first movie, I remember getting a lot of controversy from parents because it was deemed like the most violent acts in a single film to date. What? And it was like a PG movie or something at the time, Dude. like as a children's film. I totally didn't think about this. We were having like on like a very related note. Again, we were talking to Nico and Kevo because we've been talking to them all lap on too fast. And I was like mentioning something about Home Alone. And Kevo was like, yeah, you know, like a lot of parents thought Home Alone was like very violent. And I was like, oh, fuck. I never even thought about this. That this is like, this is a movie for kids, right? So like, I just watch everything through the lens of that I'm an adult. I have no children. So I don't have this concept of like what I shouldn't show children. It's just all for me. Sometimes it's not for me, right? So I guess our family, the children early on displayed like a knowledge of the difference between real and like television. So our parents just kind of let us watch whatever we wanted. And when it got to the point of Ninja Turtles, like I could definitely delineate the difference between fact and fiction. Like there's, you know, first of all, like these are giant turtles. Uh, I got to get over that before I get over the fact that one has a sword in his hand. So like, relax parents. I'm more concerned with like crisping and gene splicing right now than I am with like (laughs) someone getting an eye poked out. Yeah. The second one, though, they toned that shit way down. Like, Michelangelo is even using sausage links as nunchucks at one point. Like oh, a fucking yo-yo. You're so right. Yeah, that's so... I See, again, it's something that I don't even perceive. Like, I think these are all comedic numbers, but you're right. They're stand-ins to tone down the violence. Wow, that makes sense. But this one, man, like, right out of the gate, they've made a declaration that we have designed these suits to be active. Right in the opening credits after they do their Congo dance which is just great. They each do like a little demo of their weapons and they're moving like without a flaw. Like these guys in these suits, right? Very well. I noticed this. It seems like for this movie, they definitely tried to make them like way more flexible to be able to do more stunts. Yeah. And so all the fight scenes take place in the past and all those fight scenes are kind of just shot in the woods and they're all shot on old sets and stuff. So they're probably like on just the back lot somewhere it starts to feel almost like an old Shaw Brothers movie at a point with me Mm -hmm. I'm like almost taken out of the whole turtle part of it and I'm like I'm just watching kind of this fun feudal ninja movie for a minute you are because that's exactly what you are doing yeah it even has like the whole crouching tiger hidden I mean even though that was Chinese the crouching tiger hidden dragon stuff but like you know it has sort of the Japanese version of that with all the bandit royal romantic kind of stuff in there Mm -hmm. as well with the sword play and the on and everything. Not what I was expecting. So when you watch this, did you like it this time? Well, yeah. This was the only time 
time I had seen it all the way through, that was a bonus to finally get the conclusion to what had happened fair. and everything. And Very fair. And yeah, like I have some very minor problems, not even problems with it. It's more just like stuff that I would have rather seen. There's things I would have done a bit differently, perhaps. But I think for the choice they made, they did a pretty good job. Now, I would understand why people would think this might be a decline in quality from Secret of the Ooze, because that was like really over the top and they really pushed it and stuff. Vanilla Ice. Yeah. Ninja rap and everything. So I don't know. I mean, I think that it might just have suffered from budgetary issues. Maybe at the time the turtles were starting to fade. What were the year differences between these? When did they come out? This one came out in 93. Okay. Secret of the Ooze was 91. First one was like 90? And the first film was 1990. So they all came out pretty close. Okay, so it was three years. Yeah, that's closer than I imagined. That's really quick. I was saying, like, you know, maybe a lot of kids had an experience like you did where it was age timing, like, because the target demographic is an 11-year-old, right? Yes. Essentially. So if it came out, like, six years different, I can see that, like, you might lose a bunch of your audience because they hit that stage where you're, like, 16, and like you said, you're into music and other things, and you're in high school now. But three years isn't that bad. That's a little bit different. Maybe it was just a sense of, like, too much like it was just getting flood the market was just flooded or over flooded at the time they had the comics they had the video games the cartoon was still probably going around this time or just ending i know that a concept for the next movie that didn't get off the ground kind of became part of there was like a power rangers-esque television show for like a series or two called the next mutation which introduced a female turtle Oh. They did a crossover episode with the Power Rangers at one point. Oh, very weird. Yeah, they were on Netflix at some point. I don't know if they're still on there now, but I used to watch Power Rangers a lot with my nephew. I used to watch a ton of Power Rangers, dude. And I was like, wait a second, what do the Ninja Turtles do? Because he like the space truck rangers and the pirate like all there's so many different yeah because they hit like I, don't know. I remember i stopped by the way power rangers that first run of the original rangers i like i imagine that that was like 10 years of a run and it's really like two seasons that are 20 minute episodes or like they're not even 20 minute episodes they're like 10 minute episodes remember because it's like half commercials or like two-thirds commercials and like you watch these episodes they fly by then they had like turbo or like yeah power rangers in space and ninja power rangers like super ninja and i was like i already left it by then and when I went back and my friends and I were like rewatching, we were like, oh, dude, we should rewatch some Power Rangers. And we were like, holy shit. Like, did we all just have like really bad ADD or like, is this why we have really bad ADD? Because like these episodes move. It's like they establish a story. There's action. They fight. They fight. It's over. It's the whole episode. It's 10 minutes long. You're just like, holy shit. And it's just like, yeah, it's crazy. Not only was it short, like they basically had to reshoot like just the parts that wasn't fighting so there was even like less production for the for them to do in america because you know it's based on a show from japan the super sentai series which has Mm -hmm. been going on since like the 1970s up until today it's like one of the longest running programs in japan i think yeah they they just mined that for the entire world to spin off like their own versions of it and everything yeah it's nuts i did not know that there's like a turtles Power Rangers cross. I mean, it makes perfect sense, right? Because, you know, like, we talk about this a lot, like, licensing and, like, who owns what. So, like, to even make that happen, like, crazy. I guess they have to be under, like, the, some kind of similar umbrella. Yeah, well, that makes me wonder why there wasn't more cross-promotion with maybe, say, a game with the name or something like that as well, because that game even came out for the Super Nintendo, and it's, like, one of the most bomb-ass games that, like, was ever ported to a system. It's, like, one of the closest adaptions, I guess, uh, of a video game that I've played and stuff. So I always wondered if it's like, do they just have the rights to do this with it? And then those people have the rights to do that with it before now. I know Nickelodeon, I believe, owns everything and they sort of license it out to IDW to do the comics right now. That I think is the only, those are the only ones in production at the moment doing anything. And under that whole Nickelodeon umbrella, the way many things like Marvel are under the Disney umbrella. Exactly. Yeah. One of the few things Disney doesn't own is Ninja Turtles. Anything about this one that really, really sort of 
of bugged you? Uh, I mean, it seems like you generally like this, like revisiting it. Dude, I was such a huge fan. I don't think anything about this really bugged me because I love the Ninja Turtles movies. The only thing that I was thinking as I'm watching this is like, what about this as a child was I not super drawn to? And I don't know if I have an actual answer looking back. The only like scene that stood out in my head was the scene where they just teleport, they land in the middle of the battle, and Michelangelo is riding the horse. And I said to Rachel when we were watching it, like, I think that there might be a horse kind of style battle at the end. And we get to the end of the movie, she was like, you didn't know what the fuck you were talking about. And I was like, I guess it was just that beginning part is the only <laughs> thing that I remember as a kid. And like, I don't know why I didn't watch this movie a hundred times. Cause I like, I have such an affinity for Secret of the Ooze and I definitely watched the first one a bunch of times. So I'm like, what did I not like about this? And I think that it comes down to that like, it's maybe not as kitschy as the second one. When we were just talking about it, you said like, you know, like the second one seems like it's a lot more humorous and silly and cartoony. And this one kind of reined it back and it's like a real story. And I think that in doing that, you kind of lost what I loved so much about the second one. It's not as simple as the previous two movies. Like, first of all, we're dealing with time travel. So, like, it's already going to be confusing for little kids to begin with, especially if they're Ninja Turtles or their introduction to time travel movies. Luckily for myself, it was Back to the Future. So, like, that's kind of a good one. But it's already going to be confusing. On top of that, to be quite honest for a kid, this shit's going to feel a little boring. Going back in time instead of forward in time, perhaps, which might have been some kids' expectations, like they're going to see the turtles in the future, which might have been cool. You're 100% right. I have no exposure to feudal Japan. So, like, now it's a history lesson. And now, like, you know, like I we were talking about it, after I studied Japanese history, then going back on it, you're like, oh, this makes more sense. Because, like, they're using all the right words, right? Like, they keep using these words. But, like, I was not exposed to these as a kid growing up in Pittsburgh whose parents were not very, very worldly to be like oh yeah the daimyo is the guy that's running like he's the feudal lord and you're like okay you know what i mean like if you just hear this as a kid you're like what the fuck is that like is it his name and then he has a name it can get very confusing yeah and they keep referring to the turtles as the kappa you know which are sort of like the folklore water demons that kind of look like resemble turtles a little bit yeah even that little boy yoshi that michelangelo saves from the fire and then makes it a super obscure backdraft joke he runs out of a burning building with a kid and he says kurt russell eat your heart out and yeah. I'm sitting there for 10 minutes going why the fuck did he say Kurt Russell eat your heart <laughs> out and then I'm like fucking backdraft just came out what is this a Pixar movie like the Simpsons the humor is more adult humor it's so much more I was watching it with Rachel and we were just like there's so many fucking pop culture references like no wonder why I was just like lost as a kid like this you're right this is <laughs> this is one of those cartoons that had to be made like so that your parents are watching it your dad's giggling in the background and you're like what are you laughing at he's like oh never mind they make an L this for for you and Joey I was thinking about you guys cuz they make a blue hawaii joke dude one of the strongest elvis impersonations on film is Michelangelo gets a lampshade from April O'Neil mm-hmm. as a going away gift, proceeds to put it on his head and start talking like Elvis and doing a hula dance for two scenes. He yeah. does not take that off. It is commitment to a bit. And I never would have got that as a kid. Yeah, this would be completely lost on me as a child. You know, like I would see it and say it's like goofy, but like, yeah, I think that this has like, they went heavy on the pop culture references. You're right. That, that definitely plays into like, why I must have been like, I don't get this fucking movie as a kid. So they call Lord Norinaga Wayne Newton because the actor does kind of look like Wayne Newton. But what fucking kid is going to know who Wayne Newton is? Like, none. Or Don King when they hit the bell and his hair goes up. I'm like, oh, I would have had no fucking idea what they were talking about. Like, but now I'm like, oh, that's a good joke. Funny. That works. <laughs> like, yeah. You know that criminal kids, Don King? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that kind of stuff was weird. But like, I understand, you know, they needed to cut this with some kind of levity because the main storyline is pretty serious like it's just a very straightforward period piece to be quite honest with you and love story yeah the love story between like them and april as like their caregiver and them kind of flirting with her makes a lot more sense and this is like a straightforward like romance like i must get my soulmate back right so like that's also something that i'm like yeah i don't know how i felt about that as a kid i don't really care yeah like april to me feels more like a sister like a big sister or like their aunt and now that i've accepted that you want me to now like jump into true love and they have such a complicated 
backstory. Like the bandit woman is the rightful heir, maybe, to the land, and the other family sort of swooped in and like murdered her family. I think, and like this is what I'm picking up. There's class differential, right? That I would definitely not have gotten as a kid. That they're, they're like they're in two different castes, so like the 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 love between them could never work because she's not of the aristocracy, and it's like fuck, dude. This is heavy shit for a kids movie. They're gonna basically ransack her village and burn it to the ground. It's like, whoa, like, come on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Way heavier than I was expecting, for sure, man. Yeah. So now watching this as an adult, I was like, damn, this is actually a really good movie. Like, I don't know why I left this out of the rotation because, you know, it was just like exposure. And now I'm like, no, dude, if I'm watching, I'm watching all fucking three of them. Like, the third one's good. It's not bad at all. Yeah. You know, I was always told that stuff like the puppetry was not quite like up to par as the previous films and everything like that but to be perfectly honest within like the first five minutes i completely accept everything they're throwing at me because in i think more so in this day and age that it's actually there that they've actually that i could mm-hmm. feel the appreciation now of them actually doing the puppetry and all that kind of stuff plus i i think they're pretty badass when they're wearing all of the gear in feudal japan and riding on horseback and all mm-hmm. that sh- even the, it's such a great touch that michelangelo riding backwards oh yeah Agreed. With the helmet over his eyes so he can't see and he's riding backwards and yeah, it's perfect. It's a great gag. And the costumes being different becomes very acceptable once you realize that they updated them to do better stunts. Yes. I had like a mild problem with it when I'm like, these guys look like a little bit different. And then when I saw the like the dexterity that they had in the new suits, I was like, okay, cool. That's fine. I get it. You're just moving along. This was an update. That's fine. Yeah, it's a it's a trade up. If you ask me, like to be able to do the mobility as opposed to, okay, maybe they look a little goofier or whatever, like, you know, and, and they also kind of need to have those more expressive features because they have their helmets on most of the movie and you need mm-hmm. those giant eyes like to sort of shine through or to be able to see that they're moving their mouth somehow. Just to touch on things that like, you know, kind of not bothered me or whatever, but things that I guess I was expecting going into this that I didn't get. Okay. Even though I did end up enjoying what we have here, things that I was sort of expecting was it to be a bit more magical. Like, I thought for sure they were going to be fighting a giant puppet monster at the end that had been summoned somehow from, like, another... Like, I thought there'd be another artifact that worked. You get, like, a a second time jump. Well, I also... That's the second thing is, like, more than that, I was uh, definitely hoping for them to go to several time periods, you know? I mean, we don't have to be Bill and Ted or anything. Yeah. We don't have to go to that many, but definitely prehistoric times. Maybe, like I said earlier, they get shot into the future. And this will be a great Western, too. Just do Back to the Future 3, right? Oh my gosh, yeah. Put the ninjas in a Western. They play cowboys, and they talk about John Wayne and stuff all the time anyways. So, yeah, I think that we definitely could have did a feudal Japan and a Western scene and come back at some point, and th- those would have played well. So, that's kind of funny, because you're right, they do reference cowboy movies and Westerns a lot in this. And a lot of those movies are sort of based off of... They're stolen. Samurai movies. Samurai movies, yeah. Exactly. They're all just mere images of each other, yeah. (laughs) It would have been a great cliffhanger, even if they never got around or even intended to make a part four, if they ended up in the end of this movie in the Old West. That would have been pretty great cliffhanger kind of joke, even if it was just a joke. Yeah, the end let me a little bit down on that note. Mikey doesn't get teleported, because we have like a second, like literally like 30 seconds there, where they do the time swap. Mikey's not teleported. He might actually be staying in feudal Japan. And instead, they give you like this beautiful bowed up resolution. 30 seconds later, same scene, the one guy climbs up the thing with the scepter, and Mikey just climbs down. And it's like, okay, well, he didn't get stuck. Like, that was like the only tension that we could have had to have another movie, and they just kill it. They just squash it, and they were like, nope, sorry, just kidding. Like, Michelangelo's here. We're good. Don't worry about it. I was shocked and on the edge of my seat when they came back and he was not with them. When Michelangelo was left behind, I was like, whoa! Same! Are they really going here? Are they gonna write him out? Like, what the fuck? Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. And Rachel's like, did they not bring Mikey back? And I was like, I don't remember at all. Not even close, but yeah, no. They just, it becomes an anti- 
twist because it just doesn't matter <laughs> like th- 30 seconds later yeah it definitely felt like if not a rewrite definitely just trying to squeeze one last joke in somehow i think that they were gonna like go for it and somebody was like yeah no like you know what i mean like somebody above them like some executive producer was like they're like look and we're gonna leave michelangelo there and we'll leave it like hanging in case that we make a fourth one and they're like we can't leave michelangelo in fucking feudal japan bring him back <laughs> and they and someone's like oh, i need to remind you there's no plans right now to do a fourth one <laughs> you know like yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, no, we're not leaving kids like this. You know, you're like, no, I don't want to hear any of this backlash from the parents. We're good. Yeah, they need to be stranded together, if anything. That would have been the way to do it if you didn't want them all back home. My old problem that I had that I noticed I was also completely wrong about. Again, I'm just going to go through the list of things that I that I was thinking during the movie that Rachel fixed. I was watching this and I was like, their voices are a tad different. And I was like, I think that like Michelangelo's the same, but I think that like they must have changed voice actors here. I don't know why. And when Rachel came and like went through who was the voice actors for each one, I was completely wrong about it. It's like Michelangelo's the same from two and three, and like a bunch of the other ones changed between the films. But this one sounded because I'm so knowledgeable of two because of how many times I've seen it, three sounded like they had changed some voice actors and it kind of took me for a little bit of a loop. They're doing a good impression, but like just some words kind of twist and I'm like, oh, that's weird. Did you notice this? Yeah, yeah. So there's sort of been like a very obvious cast change in Donatello's between the first and second movie where Corey Feldman was replaced. Makes sense. I don't exactly know the rhyme or reason behind why he's now back for part three. Yeah, this is the other thing. How is he back? That's so weird. Okay, yeah. So that's part of the weirdness. My ear has gotten sort of worse with my age, and I haven't really seen the cartoon in a while, but the guy doing Leonardo sounds more like the guy who did him in the cartoon than the guy who did him in the movie. But I don't have any proof of any of that. Same goes for the rest of them. Michelangelo sounded the same to me. But again, you try and, for the most part, cast somebody who can get as close as possible. Like, I think there's been three different Raphaels, but I'm, I'm not even sure about that. That's the thing. And I think we hit this thing where you, like, as you approach closer and closer to the to the ultimate truth, your brain can pick it out better. And they did a really great job. I'm, I don't think, I don't have a problem with any of these voices. But just because they were so similar to what I was expecting, any deviation becomes very apparent right? Like, I'm trying to recall the cartoon now, right? And the voices are definitely less distinct between each other, but the ones that always seem to stick out the most are Michelangelo and Raphael, right? For like, sure, yes, uh, like, I agree. As long as Michelangelo is a surfer bro, and as long as Raphael is from the Bronx, exactly. <laughs> doesn't right, really yes. matter. <laughs> you're absolutely right, yes, you're absolutely right, yep. So maybe that's part of the trick, is, you know, you, that's the equation, as long as two of them sound interesting, the other two will sort of just be accepted along for the ride. But Corey Feldman has a very distinct voice. At least he did when I was growing up, you know, knowing him more from like all of his 80s work and everything. I kind of enjoyed having him back. I thought that was funny. It was just like a weird thing that like I was like listening and I was like, I noticed that they're different, but sometimes and I can't pick pick out exactly which ones are different, but like I hear it sometimes. Yeah, so it was just something I was thinking about when I was watching it. Now, have you seen Beyond Part 3? Have you seen the CGI TMNT and then the two from the late 2000s? The what the, the ones that came out in like the 2010s? Have you seen any of the other Ninja Turtle movies? I honestly don't remember because I feel like they came out right around the Power Rangers ones, the Power Rangers reboot. And I remember watching that movie and I don't remember if I watched the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or not. But because I think these two things are very similar similar and intertwined in my brain from like the age that I was at when I was like you know consuming them I can't tell if I split these apart or not those movies just sort of went over my head at the time I guess like I remember when the CGI TMNT came out eventually getting around to it and it's pretty confusing. It it feels like there's a lot of backstory you missed that you've got to be filled in on. There's a lot of Mm. magic and mysticism in that one as well. I eventually saw the ones from like the 2010s. Those were produced by Michael Bay. Okay, were they good? Well, it was during his heavy Transformer phase. So they feel like Transformers movies? But I guess he was still talking to Megan Fox because she's in those movies, as I mentioned earlier. But yes, you are right on the money. They are kind of nausea-inducing CGI origins. (laughs) of just what is happening on screen half the time. And they're CGI. They don't. They ne- they never go back to live action in costume, right? Correct. They're interacting with humans, but they're completely 
CGI characters. Yeah, Transformer style. That makes sense. And, and they look super strange. Like, they just tried to go with, like, this really real realism kind of thing with them where they went too far. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you just go too far. Yeah, yeah. No, I get... Oh, Joey always laughs. Like, Joey's always making jokes that, like, I'm just, like, a grumpy old man about all this stuff because, like, I hold on to nostalgia really hard. So I literally can't tell you if I've seen the new ones or not. I know that I've seen the commercials for them, and I don't know if I've just seen those and didn't watch them or what. I had them queued up at some point somewhere but I can't tell you if I like watched them and fell asleep or what happened but like that's something that I would watch it and I'd be like nope they're CGI I don't care like they're not even in costume and he'd be like no dude this isn't for you it's for kids and it's updated like stop being a grumpy old man about it and I, but I can't it's kind of strange though because I asked my nephew at the time I was like you want you know let's go see the Ninja Turtle movie he was sort of interested in it because I was interested in it so we went and saw it and it kind of solidified the idea in his mind that like it's just kind of not he's just not into it I think it was kind of he was kind of turned off by how sort of grotesque they looked whereas when I was introduced to them they were cartoons yes yes and it's softer. Right, right, right. And so I'm not sure who exactly they're for because they seem like little children are going to be turned off or at least preteens are going to be turned off. And people who grew up with the Ninja Turtles are like, this is sort of the wrong tone entirely. Like, you're going way mm-hmm. too hard with this kind of stuff. And yet, that second one, the second Michael Bay produced one, actually tried to be very faithful to the original cartoon. It has Bebop and Rocksteady in it. It has Krang from Dimension X shows up. Baxter Stockman is in there. Like, these are all sort of big characters from that cartoon show. But that show hasn't been on the air for 20 years. Yeah, so the kids aren't going to know that. Yeah, who are you making this movie for, right? Like, are you making it for me? Or are you making it so that I drag a child to it that probably doesn't want to watch this anyways, right? Right. So needless to say, there's no part three, you know, after this one. There's not another Ninja Turtles part three. They never quite made it that far again. I would have been down to ride or die with you to, to get to the third one of that one, too, because I'm now I'm now I'm very curious about it. It's, it's funny, Rachel never had exposure to these, and you've heard me talk ad nauseum here about how much I love the second one, and I told her about these, and I said, look, I really want to watch the Ninja Turtles. I'm in the mood to watch it, and she messaged a couple of her friends that are girls, and they were just chatting, you know, like she, you know, she has random group chats and she was like oh joe's like bugging me to watch the ninja turtles movies and like they were like oh dude they're fucking great (laughs) and she was like what and they're like no they're really good and she was like are you serious and so like that was the last nudge i needed to convince her of it and now she's like a huge fan and like she'll constantly play turtle rap on like youtube and stuff (laughs) like that and she's like oh yeah that's like a really good Green machine, gonna rock the town without being seen. Have you ever seen a turtle get down? Slamming and jamming to the new swing sound. Yeah, everybody let's move. Vanilla is filled with a new jack groove. Gonna rock and roll the place with the power of the ninja turtle face. Iceman, you know I'm not playing. Devastate the show what the turtles are saying. Ninja, ninja, rap. Ninja, ninja, rap. Ninja, ninja, rap. But it was funny that I thought that it was just like a bunch of little boys watching it because, of course, that's my only exposure. It was just me and my friends, and it wasn't. It hit all the children, and it just, like, worked. Yeah, you know, I think April O'Neil became quite a role model. Strong, powerful woman. Yeah, she's every much the intrepid reporter as Lois Lane, you know. I'm Exactly. She was based off her, you know, TV instead of newsprint and all that, but, you know, she's very much in the field doing her thing. And she's never just, like, a sex object. She's not there to be, like, one of their girlfriends. Like, it's, yeah, she's, and she's like, I established myself. I live in my own apartment. Like, I have a career. This is the thing that I do, so it's awesome. That's nice to hear about Rachel and about the idea that, like, there's even new fans, you know, from all walks of life. Like, again, it's like there's something kind of for everybody going on here. Like, whether you're into science fiction or you're into martial arts or yeah. into comedy. And she's not into any of these. Like, that's not <laughs> like that's not any part of the repertoire of things that she would like, which is why she was so hesitant to watch it. And she has no nostalgia for it either, which is like, we talk about this a lot. Because we watch the Fast and the Furious movies and we introduce people to the Fast and the Furious movies, and a lot of the times, new people will watch the first one, and they'll be like, that's not really a good movie. And it's because they don't have the nostalgia for it. It didn't come out when they were 12, and they weren't at the t- like the teenage phase where it's like, cars are cool, and this movie's cool, and these people are cool. So you lose that, and 
watching it back, they're like, as adults now that had never seen them at, at the time, they're like, okay, like, it's not really that good of a movie, and I don't have this any sort of sense of, like, feeling for this movie. Whereas this is something that, like, I have in the same kind of nostalgia bubble that I love it, and I'm like, do I love it just because of, like, when I saw it and how appropriate it was for me at the time? But apparently not, because you can reintroduce these to people later, and they're like, no, these are still good. It holds up better. And that's very interesting. Yeah, I think there's like so much ground for fascination with this subject in general, like bringing this kind of thing to life on screen or sitting there either wrapping your head around the concept or you're kind of like checking out the puppetry and the animatronics Mm -hmm. or like the physicality of the martial arts the comedy the jokes pop culture references anything there's something there's so much you know maybe that's why it's been going on like ever since it first came out you know Mm -hmm. you know we talk a lot about nostalgia and stuff like that tonight and there was one moment in this movie that i just like started cracking up really hard because i even wonder now if people are going to know what this is but april brings her walkman back with her through time oh yeah you know now Nowadays, she'd bring her iPad or her iPod with her. Oh, for sure. Yeah. The Walkman was great. It's a great touch. The Walkman was a big thing. And, like, it was on every kid's brain. Like, we all had one, obviously. Like, because cassettes was it. Like, that's all you had. So, uh, yeah, for her to bring her Walkman back and for it to have music on it was really awesome. Now, obvious fast connection with this movie... Go ahead. Takes place in Japan. It takes place in feudal Japan, yeah. Well, I mean, feudal Japan, yeah, but like Japan, Japan, you know, Tokyo Drift, you know, the Edo period. Yeah, it feels like the writers and creators of Fast and the Furious definitely watched a lot of samurai movies. So like, I don't even exclude it from that a lot. You know what I mean? Like, I thought the first time I heard this specific term, I think, was in relation to Fast and Furious and later John Wick, but the idea of car foo. Yep. Using your cars as like kicking somebody with your car yep using a vehicle as a weapon and like the dance of you fighting with your vehicles type situation exactly yeah right yeah so i feel like there's definitely some sword play action going on and that's what fast and furious is kind of missing i think at this point is a little more Dude. of the weapons a little less of the guns and let's get more close range i mean well we you know we get some hand-to-hand combat and stuff but yeah it's yeah. just like it's a spectacle now right they're trying to one-up each other in fast and the furious so it's like it's just trying to get bigger and bigger something that i was thinking when i was watching this too i'm glad you brought it up because I always, now, I see everything through the lens of Fast and the Furious, because that's just, like, how my brain works from doing Too Fast Forever. I was thinking, we watch all of the Fast and the Furious cartoons that are the Netflix originals, right? Spy Racers. And they introduce things, and we're at a point where, you know, Fast and the Furious is going to 10, and it's hitting its, like, final peak, and we're like, what can they do? And you've been on the show, we've talked about things like, you know, who's the voice of E.T. on for Hobbs and Shaw? Where can they go next? They have the giant announcement that kind of leaked kind of didn't we don't really know what it's about but like everybody makes the joke that in fast and furious 10 they're gonna go to space and i was thinking like how the fuck haven't we gotten time travel yet yeah man and spoilers for anybody that's not a big fast and the furious fan skip but with han coming back one thing that we didn't think was time travel right we, we were so hung up on the bionic stuff that like how do we know that han didn't have a magic scepter that he like switched places with? i mean hopefully or not. what if his car went 88 miles an hour exactly it's so funny that you mentioned that because right before the show i believe I, I posted a reply to the article on the too fast too forever twitter too fast to the future you know like yes. that's eventually yeah some time travel vin diesel maybe he's his own father that dies in the car crash eventually oh, and he no. sees himself die <laughs> no <laughs> that would be really wacky but i was thinking like you know we were talking about it and the cartoons introduced mind control and we were like oh i guess we get like influence stuff in fast and furious but never like overt mind control correct now to introduce time travel i'm like i wonder if people would buy into that and if that how han is back so really made me think So my final note on this whole thing is that I think the next Ninja Turtle movies, which I hear there's one in development. I hear there's a Turtle movie in development. Now, I've started reading the Turtles comics again, and there's one that's been coming out called The Last Ronin. It's in the future. They're no longer teenagers, but there's only one of them left. The rest have fallen in. Who's left? Well, spoiler alert, people listening, if you don't want to know who the last Turtle surviving is at the moment. Can I guess? Yeah, go ahead. I think it's Raph. It's not Raphael. Damn, he's too angry. It's Michelangelo. 
Oh, really? Michelangelo survived, and he's on, like, a suicide mission, basically, to kill the Shredder's grandson. And at the end of the first issue, which is only... The first issue is the only one that's been out for, like, four months. Like, this book has been pushed so much because of the pandemic and other reasons. But he tries to attempt uh, Supico. Like, he tries to do Harry Carey at the end (laughs) of the first episode. Like, it's brutal. God, that's dark. So uh, this is, like, an adult comic. Yes. So this is from even um, Kevin Eastman, one of the original creators is is involved with the story and the plotting of this as well very, so very cool. it's like back to that but there also there's rumblings that there's there's another movie in development i don't have any idea what that could be about but i think that they should retackle turtles in time i think that they should go to several time periods i want to see them as pirates i want to see them like Same. the game like yeah. i want to see them go through all those different periods you know i think that they could definitely pull it off it's fun and you have endless possibilities, man. Yeah, I think they could definitely pull it off. I think it would be a fun experience. One of the fans of Too Fast that is our friend that writes in and talks to us a lot, Wes, he's a big Turtles fan. And he always says specifically about the Turtles that like all new content is good content because anytime that they make new fans of a series, and we port this to, too fa- to Fast and Furious as well, they're like anytime they're making something new, that means that they're making something and that you're making new fans and the, and the legacy will go on so that's all that we can ever want as fans like whether it's for us or we don't think it's the best or we do love it the generation of new content is good so to hear that there's another movie in production is a good sign to hear that there's a comic book that is like a weird dark take and you know there's one turtle left is awesome like that's something that i want to read now so yeah it's great man sweet i think that's pretty much gonna do it i i wonder what's been keeping the pizza man this whole time but (laughs) we'd have to i actually ate pizza for dinner that's funny (laughs) in prep yeah that's radical but joe definitely gotta thank you for being on tonight to talk some turtles with me where can the fine folks listening find you otherwise Yes, I do want them to. Your longtime co-host, my longtime co-host, Joey, the the man that links us together, the Podfather himself. Would you say he's our Splinter or maybe the Leonardo? What turtle are you? Oh, okay. This is a good, this is a good spin. When I was a kid, I loved Leonardo. That was my favorite. Okay. I think now, probably, I think I would be more Donatello. I like you know, like I am a scientist, so I think that. Like, my brain kind of works like that. Like, I, I relate most to him. You know Donatello, uh, like, is on the dark web ordering, like, all kinds of crazy shit. Right? Exactly. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. So, like, that, I'm like, okay, I can get behind that. But I think in reality, like, as I've gotten older, I just realized that I'm Raphael. Like, I'm just constantly pissed off. I hate everyone. I want to be left alone. Like, that's me. So he's kind of the turtle archetype if in a weird way. Like, that was the attitude they kind of all displayed in the original comic before it became kind of kid-friendly when it was just more of a serious independent comic they just were pissed off teens the entire like all of them they Mm. each had like they had these extra attributes they were still there but they were much more angsty yeah for sure yeah so that's funny and because we watch this movie and i always um theme my group chats with my friends right like i always like try to come up with like a fun theme and usually they're like kind of timed so our last one was like home alone and i was watching this movie i was talking to you about doing this and um, I was like, I changed them all to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And in that world, I made myself Splinter. But I think Ooh. that in our world, Joey's Splinter for sure. He's just trying to keep all of us together, right? Like, just like herding kittens into the right path, like all the time. So I think that Joey would be Splinter. What, what's your turtle? What, what Do you have a different turtle? Do you have a favorite turtle? Who was it? It had always been growing up. It was Michelangelo just because I partially sort of shared a name there a little oh, bit yeah, but yeah yeah true so uh, that that it was always fun and then i just i liked his weapons the most that might sound weird as a kid but i always thought nunchucks were just like insane no 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 weapons were a big part of why i like leonardo he was blue and i liked his weapons dope right like that's how it works yeah what color do you like what weapons do you like yep i remember even in the town i grew up in there was like a, a martial arts store where you could buy like ninja stars and shit like damn back when they used to sell that oh, over yeah. the counter kids used to play with stuff like that we had ninja stars that we would throw at fences and stuff that like all of our mom's fences had these giant holes in the side of them right like i would like to eventually get to the sort of zen state of a leonardo but for sure right now at the moment Raphael all the way just right like so disgruntled i'm turning into an old man and i'm you know gonna get a get off my yard 
signs, stay off the lawn. lawn. Yep, I'm like, with you, that buddy. whole thing. <laughs> as as I got older, I don't know if it's just like all millennials or what, but like, man, I'm just like I'm so fucking grumpy with everybody else. Just like stop talking, leave me alone, let me do the thing. <laughs> Yeah, I'm glad that we both have morphed to that. Look, we used to be such such fun, bright personalities, and now we're just curmudgeon It's great. <laughs> so, conclude the plug there that we sort of took a control over. Oh, yes. Wow. Yeah, way long tangent. Yes, Joey and I do Too Fast, Too Forever. Um, you can find it on Cage Club. You can find it on Twitter. You can find it on Instagram, backslash Too Fast, Too Forever on all of those. We're going back to one episode a week. We were doing two a week during the pandemic. We're going to go back to one episode a week. All the episodes are there. You can find them on every fucking podcast thing you want. He does a great job. So it's on Stitcher, Google Play, whatever, whatever, whatever. It, it, iTunes podcasts, obviously, and the website. Um, YouTube, too. I'm at D underscore... On everything, which I'm sure you'll find if you find too fast, but you can always chat with us there. And I think that the Mikester himself will be joining us this lap at some point. I think that I think that you will, right? Oh, can I give a little hint here? Yeah, go for it. Okay, so we're not exactly done with Japan. Ooh, that's the theme of this lap, by the way. That we do themes for every lap of too fast, and because you know nine's coming out, we're doing like uh, a Japanese kind of themed lap. Nice. No spoilers if you don't know the movies, but um, go ahead. I'm coming on, and we're going to talk some Godzilla. Ooh. That is just number one in my book. You're a huge Godzilla fan. I'm not a, I, I'm not exposed to Godzilla. Like That was like never a thing that I watched a ton of, so um, I'm excited to watch Godzilla with you. Yeah, before Ninja Turtles, there was Godzilla like in my life. Like That's what it was about, and then the Ninja Turtles. Something about reptiles. I don't know what it is about. Japanese reptiles. Irradiated ones at that, like mutated ones. So. <laughs> mutated Japanese reptiles. That's your niche. I don't want to know what your browser history looks like. Yeah, psychologist, psychoanalyst, right in. Tell me what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> but very much looking forward to coming on there, talking some Godzilla. Uh, and I guess with that, it's the end. We're at the end. We can go uh, eat our pizza, party yawn, cowabunga. Cowabunga, brother. And we'll talk to you soon. Thank you very much. It was great being here, brother. Thank you again. And, um, yeah, go Turtle Power, right? Turtle Power. Radical episode of Third Time's a Charm. Gotta thank my guest, the bodacious Joe Two, and be sure to check out Too Fast, Too Forever, and stay tuned to hear me over there talking some Godzilla very soon. Y'all see the trailer for Zilla vs. Kong? All I'm saying is the original Godzilla vs. Kong was the third movie with Godzilla ever made, so you know what that might imply someday. Check out the new episodes of Cage Club and Hanks for the Memories from January 2021. Cage has History of Swear Words from Netflix and Hanks has News of the World in theaters and on demand. Joey, that's Joe One, and myself covered those and they are out to here right now. Also, one final note, and I don't know why I'm putting this at the very end of the show. I should probably move it up to the top of the show, but here it is and here it'll probably stay. Check out my new show along with my co-host Dan Cologne. It is The Monsters that made us it is the final friday of every month where dan and i are going through the history of the universal monster movies and beyond so please check that out we are currently up to the mummy so very good episode that just dropped a couple days ago as of the time of this recording so check this out check that out check them all out cageclub.me you know what you're doing. For all other things Third Time's a Charm and all the other shows I'm on, check out cageclub.me, facebook.com slash cageclub, and at cageclubpod on Twitter and Instagram. You can write to me at 3 at cageclub.me. That's T-H-R-E-E at cageclub.me. Rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you find podcasts on the World Wide Web. And until next time, cowabunga! That's a magic number. Yes, it is. It's the magic number. 
taste of it meat, and that's a magic number. What does it all mean? 